0: Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 says, Now it happened. That's what I like about the Bible. It's a now book. It's not a yesterday book. It says, Now it happened. It's a happening book. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and they attacked Ziklag and they burned it with fire. And they had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to to him, sorry, so David and his men came to the city and there it was burned with fire and their wives, their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Man, what a tragic day. What a horrible day. Can I just tell you the enemy is relentless. He is relentless in hurting you where it hurts most. Here is David and he's, he's out there with the with the mighty men. And it's literally like they're out there taking ground. They're out there conquering enemies. They're out there, you know, bringing the, the kingdom to expand. They're out there doing business deals. They're out there getting resources. And when they come home at the end of the day, the devil has taken away their wives, has destroyed their marriages, has taken away their children and burned their houses to the ground. Can I just tell you, and and, and men, you need to hear this, that that... Uh, the armor is something that, that we don't kind of take off too often. The Bible says put it on because we kind of forget to. We've got to put it on. Put on the whole armor of God. We need to put it on. I found that sometimes I think, well, you know what? I'm on vacation. I can take a No, no. I'm away preaching. I can. No, no, no. You know. I've found that I've constantly got to keep that armor on because the devil is a dog and he will try and attack your marriage, he'll try and attack your family, he'll try and attack your home, he'll try and attack your house, he'll try and attack your finances, he'll try and attack your health, he'll try and attack your mental health, he'll try and attack your emotions. He will try he is relentless at trying to attack, and we've always got to be on guard, we've always got to be front foot, we've always got to be aggressive. Somebody say amen. And so so the enemy and so This is a horrible day. Then David and all the people, verse 4, who were with him, lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. This is a tragic day. They come back and they've got all the spoils. And as they come over the hill, here's their home smoldering, the smoke rising to heaven. And they look and they call out and they're calling out for their wives. And I can just see the men dropping the spoil and dropping the silver and the gold and dropping their resources, taking off their armory and their weapons and running, calling out their wives them calling out their children's names running into the homes that, that, that are still standing with 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 fire in there and pushing through the smoke covering their face with their clothing running in calling the names of their kids calling the names of their wives and coming out and their wives are gone the kids are gone they don't know where they've gone but they've seen that an enemy has done this they don't know whether they're dead they don't know whether they've been butchered or murdered all they know is while they were out to battle while the men were out the enemy came in can I just tell you While the men were out, the enemy came in. Can I just repeat that while the men were out, while the men were out, while the men were absent, while the men were not on guard, while the men were not present, while the men were not on duty, while the men were not defending, while the men were not present, while the men were not there, while the men were not defending, the enemy come in and he attacked. The enemy is a dog. He knows that he can't stand against the household that has a man of God with the armor of God and his sword unsheathed. He fights like a coward. He comes and he attacks the women and he attacks the children. The Amalekites, they're a wicked race. They're a wicked people and they represent the wickedness and the perversion of the kingdom of darkness, of the devil. And the devil doesn't fight fair. He doesn't fight the men. He comes and he waits till the men are gone. Then he comes around the back and he attacks the weak and he attacks the vulnerable and he attacks the women and the children. You know, the Bible says this in the book of Joel. It says, wake up the mighty men. Rouse the warriors. Wake up the mighty It doesn't say this. It doesn't say find the mighty men. It doesn't even say develop the mighty men. It says wake them up. means that we've already got might. Can I just tell you, you are a mighty man. You are a mighty man. And can I tell you, I'm on an assignment from heaven to awaken you. I'm on an assignment from heaven to awaken, to awaken the mighty man that resides on the inside of you. I will awaken that mighty man. Oh, you, you, your dad may have not told you you're a mighty man. You may come from a broken home. You may not believe that, oh, pastor, you're just talking hype. You might be talking about the person on my left and the person on my right, but I'm not a mighty man. I struggle with this, and, and I still, you know, find, find myself addicted to this, and I, and I just find myself so beat down by this, and I still struggle in my thought life, and I still have fears and insecurities... And, and I don't really think that highly of myself. And man, if I was a better man, I'd be earning more. Can I just tell you, I'm going to wake you up. I'm going to awaken the mighty man. The Bible says, awaken. The Bible says, wake up the mighty man. You are a mighty man because I'm telling you, we got to get mighty men back on guard. We got to get mighty men present in their homes. You can be a dad that's sitting in home but disconnected with the remote in your hand, disconnected from your spouse, disconnected from your children while the enemy is coming in and ransacking. It's okay. I've I've lulled him to sleep. It's okay. He's completely distracted. I've anesthetized him with the the television. I've completely anesthetized him. And we can come in and we can attack marriage. We can attack family. I'm telling you, we're going to have some men that are awoken. We're going to have some men that are walking in spiritual authority. We're going to have some men that are walking in spiritual discernment. It's time we protect our homes. It's time we protect our marriages. It's time we protect our family. It's time we protect our children. I'm telling you, God is waking up the mighty man come on if you believe that say amen so there's none in my notes I'm just kind of getting a bit excited so David's wives Ahinoam the Jezreelite and an Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite had been taken captive now David was greatly distressed no kidding but the reason he was distressed is because the people spoke of stoning him great conversation Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David. Everyone say, but David. David. i got to tell you, man, the most beautiful but in the world is whenever God puts a but in, in, whenever God puts his but in the middle of a verse, that's the most beautiful but you can ever see. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. It's a horrible day when your own men, when your own team speak of stoning you. Do you know when we go through crises, we always look for somebody to throw a stone at. We always look for somebody to blame. It doesn't fix the problem. How many people know that stoning, dragging David out and stoning him to death doesn't bring the wives back. It doesn't bring the children. It may make, make me feel better for a little bit. Yeah, you dog. Your, you know, it may feel better. after, And then afterwards, I'm still with the same mess. It's amazing how many people look for something. Je- Jesus' disciples came to him and they said, Lord. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And she's like, what are you guys going on about? Why are you always looking to pitch blame somewhere? He says, this hasn't happened except so that God can be glorified. In other words, what we're going to do, we've got to go after it and get it back. We're going to get the guy's sight back. We're going to get what was stolen by the devil. We're going to get, quit trying to fix blame. Come on, somebody. We're going to move. We've got to move beyond fixing blame. So these guys want it. So, But David strengthened himself in the Lord, his God. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, please bring me the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue the troop and uh, and and so, shall I pursue the troop shall I overtake them and he answered pursue for you shall surely overtake them and, and not fail to recover all so David went and he and 600 men who were with him and they came to the brook Bezor where those stayed who were left behind but David pursued he and 400 men so 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook Bezor and they found an Egyptian in the field I want you to underline that in your Bibles it's very important in this story I need you to underline verse 11. They found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And they gave him bread and he ate and they let him drink water. And then they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk no water for three days and three nights. Then David said to him, to whom do you belong and where are you from? And he said, I am a young man from Egypt. Servant of an Amalekite, and my master left me behind because three days ago I fell sick. We made an invasion of the southern area of the Cherethites in the territory which belongs to Judah and the mountains of Caleb, and we burned Ziklag with fire. David's ears prick up, ziklag with fire. David says, can you take me down to this troop? He said, swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hand of my master and I will take you down to this troop. And when he had brought him down, there they were, spread out all over the land, eating and drinking and dancing because of all the great spoil which they had taken from that land of the Philistines and from the land of Judah. Then David attacked them from twilight until the evening of the next day. Not a man of them escaped except 400 young men who rode on camels and fled. So David David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away and David rescued his two wives and nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. Somebody say amen. Tonight I want to talk to you about recovering all. Recovering all. So the, the, the first point I, I want you to understand is not only does the enemy attack your home, you know, attack, fight like a dog, but David's two wives, Ahinoam and Abigail, were, were, were taken away. And Abigail means father's delight, and Ahinoam means joy. And the two things that you'll know when the enemy's attacking is because both delight and joy are gone. This is how you know that the enemy has come in, because the delight that was once there in your family, the the delight that was there in the marriage, the delight that was there in the children is no longer there. The joy, the joy that you had in your life, the joy that you had in your job, the joy that you had in your salvation, the joy that you had in your marriage, the joy that you had in your spouse, Else, the joy that you had in your children is gone that is a sign that the enemy's been attacking and you got to go after it you got to get you got to get go get you some so the first thing I want you to know that David did was was he he decided to put on the attire for a choir that's the first thing the Bible says that David went and strengthened himself in the Lord and he calls Abiath of the priest and he says bring me the ephod the ephod was a garment that the priest wore when he went in to minister before the Lord. It was a priestly robe. And this is what I love about David because David is anointed to be what? He's anointed to be king and yet the, the priestly robe is only for a priest. You need to understand that David is modeling what God is wanting to be building. David is modeling what God is wanting to be building and that is a nation of of kings and priests. Can I just, can I just tell you men, that you are not just a king. You're not just a king. Don't let the devil tell you that you're a king or a priest. We've had some teaching on kings and priests over the years. Well, you know, brothers, some of you are called to be kings. And, you know, and some of us, we're called to be priests. And you kings, you're out there. you to make money and bring that money in so us priests can, you know, build the kingdom of God. And I, I kind of believe in that to, to a little bit. But, but the Bible doesn't say kings or priests. The Bible says that God has made us a holy nation, a nation of kings and priests. That I've actually found that I need to be a king and a priest. A king I need to provide. I need to protect. There's the two objects of a kingdom. I need to provide and I need to protect. They're, they're the two objectives of a king to rule over his kingdom. But then I found that there are days where I'm protecting and the days where I'm providing, but there are other days where I actually need to put on my priestly robes. And I need to understand that I am the spiritual head and the spiritual authority in my home, that I need to make sure that my wife is covered in prayer, that I need to make sure that there's an atmosphere in my home that reveres God, that honors God, that the music, that is playing, the TV shows that are playing in my home. You know, I I tweeted this thing this week that that television has allowed us to, to have people entertain us in our living room who we would not have in our homes. And I found that I'm the leader of the, the the home. I need to make sure that what is on our televisions is appropriate, is God glorifying, is God edifying. What is on our computers? What is what the music that's playing? The atmosphere that's playing? That when we sit down to eat, we give thanks. We give thanks for two reasons. Number one, we bless the hands that prepared it, so that our children be, learn to honor their mother who's, who who has you know labored over the stove and labored to, to get this thing. But number two, to honor God from where, from where all things come, everything originates from God. It was because of His blessing, we're able to buy these things and put them there. And so so it's so important. So as a a husband and as a father, I need to be a king. I need to prosper. I need to advance. I need to take territory in the natural dimension. But at the same time, I cannot use that as an excuse. I cannot say, well, I'm so busy out there being a king here, sweetheart. You be the priest. No, no, no. I need to be the king and the priest in my home. Can I just tell you, men of God, wake up mighty men. You're to be a king and a priest. You're the spiritual authority in your home. Can somebody say amen? Amen. So we need to be kings and priests. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. The second thing, point number two, is we need to pursue. We need to pursue. We can't just be hearers of the word only. We've got to be pursuers. We've got to go after it. I'm telling you, there is some stuff that's just not going to come to you because you you think it's God's will. The devil is a thief. Listen to me, the devil is a thief. To be a thief means that you have to steal something that doesn't belong to you. So let me just kind of explain that. So if it was God's will, if everything that happened was God's will, then all the stuff the devil stole from you, he can't really have stolen because it was God's will that he took it. So how can that be stealing? But when the devil comes and ransacks your health, you need to understand, don't thank God for the cancer. Well, brother, I just believe that God's teaching me something with this here. Can- no, 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 no. God, God, it, it, honestly, if you, if, if you go and th- say, God, thank you for this cancer because I know you must be teaching me something. God's like, well, sorry, what, what, what? You know, thank you for this cancer because I know you're teaching me. Um, am oh, who, uh, you're talking to me? Uh, I don't have cancer. I don't have any to give it away. Uh, Gabriel, uh, check our inventory. Do we, do we have cancer in our pantry? No, no. Michael, do we have any? No, we don't. Uh, yeah, we, we actually don't have, this is heaven. We, we, we don't have any cancer here in heaven. I just, uh, in fact, people that had cancer down here, I sent my son, a, you know, and he was, by his stripes, he was, to, to redeem you, you just had to die on a cross. But He didn't just redeem your soul. He actually also redeemed your body by His stripes. I, I allowed them to, to flog Him. I could have stopped it. But I knew that every whip was healing you. I knew that by His stripes you are, you are healed. Don't, don't thank God for your sickness. Don't thank God for your It's the devil stealing stuff. It's the devil stealing stuff. But then, but then people say, well, you know, if it, if it was God's will, then, you know, why does it? Because you've got to go after it. You've got to go after it. Listen, there is no such thing as passive Christianity. I said, there is no such thing as passive Christianity. Matthew eleven twelve. I love this verse, and I shared it with the men. But I, I'm going to share it again. Matthew eleven twelve. NIV. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful men lay hold of it. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Why is it forcefully advancing? Because for the kingdom of heaven to to move forward, the kingdom of darkness has to retreat. The kingdom of darkness does what? Not want to retreat. There is resistance. Listen to what Jesus says. I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The the, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of of hell are resistant to the kingdom advancing. The king from the days of John the Baptist until now, new King James, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. I'm telling you there's got to come an almost violent prayer on the inside of you. You will not take ground with passive prayers now, God bless, I, I, you know, I, I want people to be sincere. Absolutely. The Bible talks about sincerity and sincere is really nice. But can I tell you, there are some things that sincere prayers don't get back. That You know, you, you, you can't just pray prayers with that horrible, oh, it's a wicked four-letter word. Cut that four-letter word out of your prayer life, the word just. Horrible word. Lord, we just ask that, Lord, you would just... Hear us as we just come before you and we just ask that Lord you would just, just, just. It's you know, literally, literally when you hear those, oh, I want to slap, and and, and 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 the people they you know they think they're sounding so godly. Look at my godliness as I pray right now, yes Lord. We pray that you just come under the door, of You just and and we just and you know, just and Lord, we just ask that you just give us the ability to just. You know, as, as, though, as though God's like, look, guys, I'm so busy. I've got stuff to do. What? Oh, oh, it's just, all right, then, because it's just a little bit. There you go. But don't bother me with anything big. Don't bother me with anything difficult. Don't ask me to do anything, Joy, not just, oh, it's just, okay, because it's just. I wasn't going to answer your prayer, but because it was just, there you go. Oh, here, there you go, little You won't get stuff back with just. I never see Jesus praying with just. Not once. The the prayers that get stuff back is not the just prayer. The kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. The kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing and forceful men lay hold of it. You know what forceful is? Forceful is you're not trying to to convince God. God of what you need. You're not trying to convince God to get back what you've stolen. God hasn't stolen it. The devil has stolen it. You're trying to convince the devil that you know your rights. You're trying to convince the devil that you know your place. You're trying to convince the devil that you know what your possessions are. You're trying to convince the devil that you know that you're an heir in Christ. That you're trying to convince the devil. Hey devil, right now in the name of Jesus Christ I declare my family saved. I declare my marriage blessed. I declare my finances. you you, 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 you can't, you're not going to get stuff back unless you pursue. And that pursue has got to be an act of war. It's got to be right, devil. You've ta- you've attacked my marriage. You've attacked my health. In the name of Jesus Christ, we're taking communion tonight. I'm going to bust your chops, devil. We're taking bread and we're taking wine and we're going to have communion tonight. And I declare that everything that the blood covers, the the destroyer has to pass over and you're going to pass over this house. You're going to lift off my marriage. You're going to lift off my family. You're going to lift off my finances. You're going to lift off my home. We've got to be people that pursue. Can I tell you, intercession is all about pursuing. The reason we have a prayer meeting isn't because prayer meetings are nice. Oh, I like that little church down there. It's nice, isn't it? Oh, they've got little prayer meetings, don't they? Oh, it's nice, isn't it? Isn't it nice? They've got prayer meetings. At church on a Tuesday night, it's just they all come together and and they pray. Oh, it's nice, isn't it? It's lovely. It's, it's a lovely, you know, it doesn't really, you know, amount to much, but it's the thought that counts, isn't it? You know, just getting together. Look, it's not harmful, is it? Just a whole bunch of people coming together, you know, just praying. Oh, it's lovely. For an hour, just a little bit. No, no, we don't. If if that was, I'll just cancel it. We actually get together to take ground. We actually get together to remind the devil that the city of San Diego doesn't belong to the devil. It don't belong to the devil. It don't belong to the witches. It don't belong to the Satanists. It don't belong to the warlocks. It doesn't belong to the cults. It doesn't belong to anybody else. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Well, how can you say that? Well, that's a bit arrogant. How can you say it belongs to Jesus Christ? I'll tell you how I can say it without any, even the hint of arrogance, is because nobody else paid the price with their blood to purchase the souls of San Diego but Jesus Christ. He came and he hung on a cross and he paid the highest price possible. The highest price possible. We belong to God, we were bought with a price. Every other God and every other religion wants you to be their slave, but Jesus came to make you free and He purchased you with His own blood on Calvary. There's a claim over your life. There's a claim over our city and God is looking for a church who will draw a line in the sand and stand in the gap and pray. When we pray, we are forcefully advancing. When we pray, we pray with aggression. When we pray, we stand on the Word of God and we unsheath the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we pray with the Word of God, Heavenly Father, Your Word declares that they come from the north, they come from the south, they come from the east, they come from the west. Your Word declares that no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Your Word declares that the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and has no sorrow. Your Word declares you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Your Word declares, and when we speak God's Word, the devil can't. He has to back down. Three times in the wilderness, the devil attacks Jesus. Three times, Jesus responds. It is, it is written. It is written. It is written. Three times the devil had to back down. Why? Because the most powerful force in the universe is the word of God. God put God's word in your mouth. I'm not talking about just pursuing with passion. I'm not just talking about pursuing with, you know, a, a, a righteous anger and aggression. It's anger and aggression with the word of God. We've got to be people that pursue. We've got to be people that pursue. All right, really quickly, really quickly. Number, number four, I think this is my last point. Is it my last point? Yes, it is. Is it number three? Oh, good. All right, number three. Numero tres. Number three, because I'm leaving points out to try and finish it. This, this, this is the most important thing. Number three, the most important point of all the points. I, I think I got you to underline, was it verse 11 I got you to underline? Number three, this is the most important. This is how you get your stuff back. Number three, feed what is foreign in your field? Feed what is foreign in your field. Verse 11 says Then they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David, and they gave him bread, and he ate and they let him drink water, and they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. So when he had eaten, his strength came back to him, for he had eaten no bread and drunk no water for three days and three nights. David said to him, Who are you? And he said, I am a slave. I'm an Egyptian, but I'm a slave of an Amalekite. And three days ago when I got sick, he abandoned me. Three days ago when I fell sick, he just left me to die in a field. The Amalekites represent to us the wicked culture of this world. And the wicked culture of this world when something no longer is ministering to me. When something no longer has the the power to minister to me, the strength to minister to me, when something that that I possess now is going to cost me something, when something that I possess now presents a level of inconvenience, a level of intrusion, I just discard it. We were in love. We were high school sweethearts. We were dating. We got married. But then you know what? It just, you know, she got sick. She got a job. She got pregnant and got, you know, carried away with kids and family and I, I felt like I lost my my wife. I wanted a wife. I wanted a lover and, and she became a mother, not a lover. And so I decided I'm gonna move on because I got my own needs. And so so I abandoned the nest because I'm an Amalekite and I abandon that which inconveniences me. I abandon that which intrudes into into my I just leave it. I just abandon it. But can I just tell you can I just tell you what the world abandons you and I have to learn to feed. They fed the Egyptian, They, they that, that which the world the, the world loves, you know, divorce. It loves no-fault divorce. It loves to just just move on. But what the world has abandoned, you and I need to feed what is, and, and, and you need to understand, it wasn't an Israelite slave. It was an Egyptian slave, which meant that they didn't grow up with this thing. And so they, they, you need to understand that to, to prevent going down the same path as the Amalekite, the same path as the world that ends in divorce, you've got to feed what is foreign in your field. You may say, Say, well, you know what, if giving affection, you know, saying I love you, you know, I didn't really see that in, in my home. You know, mom and dad, they just kind of lived together for us kids, and we knew that they fought and they, that they weren't happy, but they stayed together for us kids. Well, you know, th- it may be foreign to you. It may be foreign to say, sweetheart, I love you. Forgiveness may be foreign. You know, you may have grown up in a home where revenge uh, trumps forgiveness, but uh, this, uh, listen, you got to feed what is foreign in your field. If you want what is in your field to help you restore, to help you to, to get back, to help you to rescue what's been stolen. You've got to learn to feed what is foreign in your field. Well, you know, we knew dad loved us. He never told us. He never said that he loved us, but we knew he loved us because he was a provider. And, and so we knew that, you know, by the roof over our head and the clothes on our back and the food on the table, that dad loved it. He wasn't an affectionate man. He came out of World War II and he wasn't an affectionate. Can, can I just tell you, you, you the, the, same, the same despair, the same deadness that you have in your relationship, Relationship with your dad, you're going to pass on to the next generation unless you learn to feed what is foreign in your field. It is foreign to you. It is an Egyptian. But can I just tell you, take some raisins, take some bread, take some clusters of grass and begin to feed that which is foreign. Make a decision. I'm going to start telling my kids that I love them. I'm going to hug them. Man, it feels weird. Man, this thing feels foreign to me. This doesn't feel normal. Set a new normal. Set a new benchmark. Start a new legacy. Begin a new tradition in your home to get back what you have lost, to get back what the enemy is attacking. You and I have to learn to feed what is foreign in our fields. We all grow up in, 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 in homes that, that we have you know, good traditions passed down, but we also have dysfunction passed down. Dysfunction goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden and has been passed down from generation to generation to generation. So none of us None of us are excused. None of us, are, uh, you know, escape this level of dysfunction. We all have it. But I'm telling you, you can have the very, very best marriage. And you can have the very, very best family. And you can have the very, very best children. And you can have the very, very best finances. Oh, you know, pastor, you shouldn't get people's hopes up. No, I'm telling you, because when I look in the Bible, I don't see anything less. God God says you can have all of that. But you got to go after. you got to uh, dress in the attire to inquire. And then you got to pursue. But then once... Once you pursue, you got to understand. You got to feed what is foreign in your field, what is dying in the field, what looks like it's dead in the field, what the world has discarded, what the world has rejected. The, the the world says a woman has to be beautiful to be loved. But can I just tell you, no, 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 no. I've discovered this: that if a woman is loved, she'll become beautiful. She is like a flower. She's like a beautiful flowering plant. And the more that you water affection on her, the more that you water her with love, the more that you water her with kindness the more that she will flourish in the home. The world says a woman has to be beautiful to be loved. But no, no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't listen to the Amalekites. Don't listen to the world, the discard and move on to the next. You, you love that woman. You love her. You cherish her. You honor her. You esteem her. You value her. She'll begin to flourish. She'll be more beautiful. I've been married to Pastor Leanne for 21 years this year. And I, I promise you, I look and I think, hang on, this can't be right. I'm seeing things. This can't be, She's more beautiful than when we first started dating. No, I remember seeing her in church thinking, hubba, bubba, ding, ding, check the legs out on this little thing. And, and 21 years later, she's smoking. And I'm like, can't, I can't. no, this is something's wrong. Something, she's put something in my, my food. And, but she is more beautiful today than she is back then. But you know what? I found the more that I tell her that she's beautiful, the more that I honor her. Now, that did, I didn't grow up in a home like that. that. That's an Egyptian that was dying in my field. When I got to that field, it was, it was but I had to feed what was foreign. My parents fought in public all the time. For, for probably my biggest weakness and my biggest Achilles heels is I, I just think, well, if we're having an argument, let's get it over and done with right here and right now, not realizing that, that, it's, in a, that it's inappropriate and that it's uncovering. So, for many, I've had many, many sleepless nights on sofas because I thought it was appropriate to well, just let's just have it out, out right now. Lower your voice. No, I'm not lowering my voice. What are you embarrassed? And just stupid is a stupid does. And, but it was foreign to me. It was foreign. It was foreign. But because I love her, I've had to learn to feed what is foreign in my field so that I can pursue. The Bible says that David got back everything with spoil. Can I tell you, you won't just get back a spouse. You won't just get back a family. You won't just get back. You'll get back with spoil. You'll get back better than what you went after. You'll get back greater than what you you set out. You'll get back even higher than what you lost. If your feed was foreign in your field.